1: I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Mason Summit. Mason's a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer, born and raised in Santa Monica, California. Influenced by artists spanning a multitude of styles and decades, Summit's comfortable in nearly any musical genre, from folk and jazz to power pop and Psychedelic Rock. This eclecticism is reflected in his four self-produced albums, Absentee from 2012, Loud Music and Soft Drinks from 2014, Gunpowder Tracks from 2016, and this year's 2018 Summer Cold. His solo acoustic performances, as well as more recent outings with backing group The Jars at LA's renowned venues, have earned Summit a loyal following in the area. Recently, Summit has turned his attention to production, working on tracks by Irene Green and Jensen McCrae. Welcome, Mason.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: i'm I'm happy to have you. I, I um, have a special love for interviewing musicians because uh, I guess I'd have to say it's uh, sort of a hobby, but i but I do music myself. And so I always love bringing music into the show. So thanks for that, too.
2: My pleasure. I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. Um, So let's start here. You know, I know some of your story because, as you're aware, uh, your mother, Susan Hayden, was on my show a while back, maybe a month ago. Um, Yeah. And so I I know the beginnings, but I feel I want to start all over anyway because your story would have to be so incredibly different from hers. Could we just start with the loss of your father and and how that was for you at the time?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, he died very suddenly, unexpectedly, in an avalanche caused by him, himself, uh, while skiing in Wrightwood, California, which is about an hour away from where we live, uh, when I was 11 in January of 2008. Uh, So I basically came home from school that day. It was a Friday. And we didn't learn that he was missing until a few hours later. And then his body was found the next day. And it pretty much, um, I I kind of transformed pretty instantly in terms of my personality. At such a like pre-adolescent, like just starting puberty is already kind of a transitional time, but. Absolutely. I became very erratic And, um, just acted out a lot towards my school, towards my mom. Um, I got sick a lot. I have always had kind of a lot of psychosomatic stuff. Um, Even
1: before that time?
2: No, since then. But depression and anxiety for me have always been tied to physical symptoms. Uh Uh-huh. So that played out a lot. Um, a lot of getting sick, a lot of headaches, and, um... Mainly just a lot of anger, I would say, for a year or two, probably.
1: Which all seems so so natural to that experience to be suddenly without your dad and um, looking forward to growing up without him, which um, without maybe the skills developed that some of us develop over a lifetime to, to cope with losses. Hopefully we do, huh? but right, i'm sure yeah. you you hadn't had any uh anything that major in your life certainly but maybe not even lesser losses at that point was no, there any not really so so you had no reference point i imagine
2: no my dad's parents had both died but they neither of them lived here and i didn't know either of them very well so i wouldn't really count that as like a a major loss in my life.
1: It was kind of theoretical in a in a in a way. Uh It was
2: distant, yeah.
1: Did you know any other kids at the time who'd lost a parent or were you kind of on your own that way? Not at the
2: time. I met them afterwards in grief group and I've met people just coincidentally. But um not at the time I didn't know.
1: So there's also that that sense of suddenly being other than than um, all the kids, and that's such a uh, such a peer time. You're just coming into peers being so so important. How did how did that go for you? Uh, did you have friends who at least were I don't know kind or?
2: <laughs> um, oh yeah, I had amazing friends, and all of my friends were pretty close with my dad and respected him because he was just kind of a good guy to hang out with. So all my friends were affected by it and to some extent shared in the grief process people that had gone camping with us and gone hiking or played music with us or anything my dad would cook and take us to, to uh, record stores. And um, so I would say most of my close friends were hit pretty hard by it as well.
1: Uh-huh. So, in that sense, you were all together in that, but, of course, a very different yeah. impact be, having him be your dad. Definitely.
2: Um, but I was also close to a few of my friends' dads, and there would definitely be moments where I would be out with them, and obviously that would be, like, a realization. Um, but it, it had positive effects as well. What would you say? was father figures, you know.
1: I see. I see. So on the one hand, it was painful because your own dad wasn't there. But on the other hand, it was positive because you still had strong men to look up to in your life.
2: Definitely. I never felt like there was a lack of that.
1: Yeah. So kind of a mixed bag on that end. And and so then... uh, I know that where you've gone with this grief, and, of course, we're going to lace that into the conversation, is in Mm -hmm. quite a creative direction as a musician. Um, Can you talk about how, because, well, I'll make a statement first. A lot of kids do not want to talk about their grief right away. Uh, My children, in fact. (laughs) We're not mm-hmm. so crazy about doing that when, when my wife died. Um, but right. you seem to have uh, come to a need to express yourself about it relatively soon. And I just wanted to hear more about that from your perspective. What, what kind of led in that direction for you?
2: Well, my mom very wisely put me into therapy very shortly after it happened. And we were also both in separate groups at the Our House Grief Support Group mm. Center. Um, and so I was to some extent forced to talk about it. Um, but I don't think it ever really bothered me to talk about. I mean, it would be emotional to talk about, but I, I don't think I was ever really reticent to actually like tell people what had happened. And I'm still not. I, if anything, people might be worried to ask me about it, but I'm probably disarmingly open to a lot of people I know or meet. Um,
1: so you surprise people thing, that way because you're you're so willing. Is yeah, that what you're like saying?
2: People, if you think that they should avoid the subject, it really, um, I don't know if anything I think my experience with it has given me probably a greater acceptance of mortality and death than most people I know that haven't experienced that.
1: Yeah. Knowing you, you can survive that for one thing. Uh, it's it's yeah. more of a known territory, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I just, I don't worry about, especially the nature of how it happened. I think my grief process would have been a lot different if it had been a gradual process, like a terminal illness or something, just having it be so instant um, really affected my understanding of life and death.
1: That's intriguing. Can you say a little more how the suddenness of it affected your understanding?
2: Yeah, I guess um, I just don't worry as much about things that I can't control as a lot Uh, of people I know. I don't worry about like a big earthquake hitting California right. dying in that because there's really nothing I can do about that if, and when it happens. So I'm just kind of at peace with that sort of freak accident thing.
1: That's, I, that's I interesting. Try Cause I can to
2: think about it.
1: it. It can sometimes go in the other direction, you know, that people have a lot of fear and anxiety and, um, a kind of sense of, oh, it could happen any minute. But for you, you just accepted those terms pretty quickly, that yes, that's true of life all the time. Am I hearing Absolutely. you properly?
2: Totally. I, you know, it's not, I, um, it's just ahead. an acceptance of it. I've never, or at least since then, I really have not been scared of that happening. Not that I would ever want it to happen, just that I don't spend time fearing it.
1: You know, let's let's let people hear uh, before we talk about your music. Let's let's let mm-hmm. people hear it a little bit. Uh, sure. Do you want to say anything in advance about your song Absentee before we go ahead and share that?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, it's really old uh, for me. I, it's it's going to be crazy to hear it even because I wrote it um, I, six and a half years ago. It would be. Um, and it's probably when, when reflective. you were,
1: how old were you then? Cause you're t- what, 21 I was now when I wrote it. Yeah. You were 16, 15, 15. Yeah. So, and, uh, it's
2: most reflective, I guess, of the anger stage of grief. And, uh, I think it's still one of my better songs. I obviously sound way younger, uh, in singing it, but, um, it was an important song for me to write. It was one of the first times that I had talked explicitly about my dad in a song.
1: So let's share that with folks. Sure.
3: Down as an absentee With a snowflake smile That could have fooled me I hope you're better Feeling free Since you've fallen away Now from the line I wonder how your final breath Was stolen and replaced with death Cold cotton inside your lungs I can't think about it By morning light And you lay down on a bed of nails To find out just what pain entails A lesson that seems so worthwhile Yet I'm the one with scars Desertion was never planned But sometimes things get out of hand Absentee, I think you understand Or else you will in time I fell asleep You said goodnight But we lost you By morning
2: Would be
1: so full, so what really stands out to me, Mason, is that you're you're so willing to be uh, specific and and vivid in that song uh, to share. You know, sometimes because people are not that accepting of grief, I think there can be a sense of sort of glossing it over or fuzzing it out a little bit. Not in that song.
2: Totally. Yeah, one thing I always hated, in, uh, especially during that first few months or year, was all the euphemisms that you encounter for death. People use, like you lost someone or they're gone,
1: that kind of thing.
2: That yeah. always really bugged me.
1: Right away, you, you knew that was, that was just not the truth of it, huh? Yeah. What did you prefer? He died? I or? prefer
2: to just say he died, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. Or even
2: passed away. I don't really like that because it wasn't like passing to me implies some sort of a, a transition or a gradual kind of thing. Like you're just passing through a town or something. And really, it's never like that. There's always one second where you're alive and the next one you're not. And I was aware of that. and So I So it's much that. more
1: definite, huh? Much mm-hmm. more definite. Yeah. Well, also, maybe in your, um, you know, I think that 11-year-olds are pretty good cl- critical thinkers. Uh, your brain's working pretty, pretty um, vehemently and... Um, Often I think people say something like passing away because they don't want to say died. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's descriptive or not, they're avoiding something. And I'm guessing an 11-year-old would pick up on that.
2: Definitely. That's partially why I think I gravitate towards just being really open and clear about it.
1: That's... um, that's obvious in, in uh, all the music, even the music, we'll hear some of it later, that isn't directly about your dad or your dad's death. There's that definite quality, and I guess I would say you seem very willing to talk about the hard stuff. Definitely. Thank whatever you. Whatever the hard stuff is.
2: <laughs> yeah, it wasn't always that way, definitely, but Yeah.
1: How do you, what do you think helped you to get there to, to really embrace that, at least creatively? Obviously, I know your music now more than I know you. Uh, right. But, but um, at least creatively, what do you think led you in that direction?
2: Well, it was always easier to express myself in music than it was in life. I think probably to a fault because the thing that happens with a lot of, musicians or writers is that their only outlet is music and then they don't actually express these things to the people that need to hear them. Mm. And I think that definitely started happening for me a couple years ago where I was relying too heavily on the songs and not actually facing things when they needed to be dealt with in life.
1: Kind of interpersonally? uh, Yes, exactly.
2: Interpersonally. Writing about uh, something wrong in a relationship, but not actually talking about it. For example, yes, with a significant other. That's not. It's not an either or proposition. You know, you need to do both. And um, I think I've established that balance a lot better lately, past couple of years than I did for a while.
1: That's a good so place to like stop. I
2: was. That yeah. was the most vulnerable place. Was the music.
1: That's a good place to stop for a break, because I want to hear a little more about how you got yourself there, because that's a not a a usual, maybe not a particularly usual revelation at younger ages. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to live a while for that. So I'd like to hear how you what what made you aware of that and how you started to work with it. And during the break, sure. listeners can find links to my website, social media, at the Good Grief page at Voice America, and you can also find a link to buy my novel that just came out, *An Ocean Between Them*, right at the top of the page. Uh, you feel free to sign up for my email list so you can keep up to date on everything Good Grief. And to find Mason Summit, go to Mason Summit. It's S U M M I T dot com. Be back soon.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Everything is energy. It's all connected. Your energy can be seen as the foundation for your life and impacts all areas of living. Do you realize that your thoughts have the power to affect How you show up? Tune in for Healthy Energy with Margo, featuring host Margo Nielsen. Margo and her guests will show you that connecting to your energy is vital to your health, relationships, money, and more. Listen live every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thoughts, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Your life, your health, your network.
3: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Mmm.
0: listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief.
1: Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Mason Summit. His father, the actor Christopher Allport died when Mason was eleven, and this led to Mason's calling as a musician. He writes lots of songs that that deal with challenging subjects, including loss. Some directly about his dad, some about other subjects. Beautiful music. And uh, before the break, Mason, I was in. I was um, commenting that you realized. You know, I think. I think this is a, a common. Problem with very creative people, uh, maybe going to their creation to deal with everything and maybe not going to other people or keeping that going. So how did you how did you notice that? Uh, Was it kind of people around you saying, hey, why aren't you talking to me? Or was it more of a self-revelation? Give me a little sense of how that happened for you.
2: Yeah, it took a very long time. For me to learn how to express myself clearly, I think, in, in relationships with people. Um, I think I just came to the realization after kind of seeing the consequences, basically, of poor communication and, uh, and just realizing, even though I feel like I'm getting something out when I write a song about something that I'm going through, I'm really not. I mean, recognizing it a problem in yourself is only half the battle. Coming to terms with it yourself.
4: Mm. Um,
2: so, if I had only ever written songs about things and never actually gone to therapy or been diagnosed with like a mental health disorder, I would be a lot less stable.
1: So you kind of needed to. Um, I I wonder about maybe needing to mature enough. That that you could engage in that and learn from it, and um, because of course, people who are eleven to eighteen, let's say, typically don't know how to do that all that well, uh, unless something Definitely. has, you know. So um, you kind of you're kind of on track with your development that way. Uh, But I wonder if there was any effect of early loss on that from your point of view.
2: I think so. I think I might not have made the connection consciously for a while, but my MO used to be kind of just bottle up and explode, you know, which is the name of a favorite song of mine uh, by (laughs) Elliot Smith, but it's pretty accurate. And it's um, honestly, I think it's, Slightly learned behavior from my dad, who didn't have the best way of dealing with things.
1: Did you know that at the time, or have you noticed it? Have you kind of learned that? Uh
2: I think I did. And, um, And part of the effect of the way that he lived and died on me is learning to... Take and follow what I loved and respected in him and also what to avoid, things that I don't want to do in my life. And I think it's been the same for my brother. Um, we're a lot more cautious, I think, than he was. And um, I think it can go either way. When, when someone dies in such a manner where you either become exactly like that or you consciously make an effort to avoid those kinds of habits.
1: And for both of you, it it kind of went that direction. I would say uh, so. where you yeah. where you kind of reflect a little more on what you're doing and uh, what what effect it's going to have and that kind of thing. Yeah. I I get the impression of your dad, and I, I'd love to hear a little more from you about how you perceive him, but you've kind of invited me into that as, as a bit of a larger than life, extremely active, um, you know, big impact kind of person. Would that be fair to say?
2: Absolutely. Yes. And he was a leader,
1: a leader. Yeah. And so then I, it's, it's interesting because uh, you had to kind of, guide yourself into your own leadership without the encouragement that it sounds like he might have offered. Uh, you know, you had to kind of come into your own, not as a copy of what what he was to you at 11 or anything. I think that's a relatively difficult process sometimes. Uh, did Do you think you struggled with that, how to find your own identity in the face of, you know... Uh, a large presence, both who he was and then the fact of his loss.
2: I would definitely say so. Um, honestly, I think that his death probably prompted me to forge more of my own identity and come out of my shell. I probably wouldn't have taken like private guitar lessons if he had been alive, because I probably would oh. have just learned everything from him that he knew. And um, yes, the answer is yes. Um, in some that's ways, interesting because
1: even and though he, he wasn't a musician, he played the guitar as well. So you would have just kind of had your dad show you some stuff instead of... Yeah,
2: he was definitely, he wasn't a professional musician, but I would say more than acting, that's what I saw as his passion.
4: Mm. And so on
2: one hand, he guided me into into playing the guitar and performing live, which he loved to do. But the development of my skills and my style largely came from seeking out other mentors, um, after his death. And, um, yeah, I think I would have turned out a lot differently because he was without even trying to be, so he was a very imposing presence, and wow. definitely definitely opinionated and people definitely gravitated to him and and he uh he was very strong in his convictions and what his approach to things were and what his idea of the right way to do something was
1: and so that also makes me think that that when he um you know when 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 he died you you must have all been in Uh, a lot of identity crisis about not having your leader in a way. I
2: think so. I think the person that was most affected by that was my dog.
1: Huh. I can imagine Uh, that.
2: We were kind of in the middle of training our puppy. He was like a year old and taking on that responsibility as the alpha. And um, after my dad died, our dog Ripley lost his mind and his personality completely changed and we kind of lost him pretty much mentally after that.
1: In case anyone thinks that animals don't grieve, huh?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, they do, definitely do
1: huge, in my observation.
2: Huge Spanish like window into our living room. This is just a full window and Ripley would just sit at the window, barking at my dad's car all day,
1: uh, mm.
2: waiting for him to come out.
1: I, I can picture that in my mind. That's why I'm pausing. That's yeah, it really affects me to imagine that. I'm, I have. I'm a dog person too, so I imagine that would happen with my own dog. Should my wife die, for instance, you know right. that they're so attached. Well, let's share a little bit more music. Can you say something about Summer Cold? I'll, I'll tell you what stands mm-hmm. out to me is I have never heard a song, uh, you know, describe anything uh, really like that. Um, the experience of having having a cold and, uh, of course, it's about more than that, but um, it, it really um, affected me because talking about everyday things, but with the depth behind it uh, is, is something else. So what do you want to say about that?
2: That's well, the funny thing is some people don't get that. It's not about just having a cold. Uh, oh. some, yeah, I definitely I saw some reviews for the album where like this is obviously one of the most emotional, vulnerable pieces of music I've written and some people just think it's a song about having a cold. Mm. Uh, that was pretty amusing. I think what was really interesting to me about the song is that I didn't realize what it was about until halfway through it, which maybe you can kind of tell. um, It gets a lot darker lyrically halfway through and you kind of narrow in on the metaphor. And, um, And I wrote those first... The, the choruses kind of each have different lyrics. So I wrote the first verse and chorus a couple months before the other part, and then after I wrote the finished the song is when I kind of realized that I was writing about my dad. Honestly, I, it didn't occur to me
1: uh-huh. until
2: after. But the fact. I can feel
1: it. I can feel it in the song, though. I have to say. Uh, yeah. Let's 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 uh, play the song and then we can talk a little more about it before the break.
3: got this summer cold that doesn't seem to pass And I hope it doesn't last too much longer I've got this summer cold and I hope it doesn't spread So I'll stay here in bed till I'm stronger You you don't cover your mouth When the sick starts to spew The blue starts a brewing I caught it from you I thought I was fine Coughing up blood All of a sudden i got this summer cold and dawn is bound to break I lie here awake through the night I've got this summer cold, the sun, it starts to rise Me, I shield my eyes from the light I skated on ice And I fell right through The cold depths of you Now here I am frozen I've got the summer cold I've got this summer cold Oh, I've got this summer cold
1: So, Mason, what it made me think about was uh, my uh, – I have a few children, but my daughter was 14 when my wife died, and she developed – now, my wife died of cancer, but she developed a germ phobia. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> and I think, I think it was – which, of course, has nothing to do with cancer, right? Except for the fact that we did keep a really clean house because uh, my wife was immune-compromised. But well, um, but really, I think it was about r- vulnerability, realizing that that human beings are vulnerable. Uh, and I wondered if that was at all a part of that song that that being sick, being not physically well, to me, it makes a lot of sense. It would bring up feelings about your dad.
2: yeah, well, I did start the song when I actually was going through, I believe more than a cold, I, I would call it seasonal allergies, but I just couldn't get through them. And it was actually impeding the progress of my recording. Like I could not get a good vocal take because I was just congested all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I am a big fan of turning mundane everyday things into songs. I don't think that you should limit yourself in terms of what you write about, whether or not it's interesting or something. Um, right. and I saw the opportunity for the metaphor and yeah, it's just kind of about grief being a sickness that you can't cure yourself of, or it can be broader than that. It can be about having, um, a condition like depression and, and uh, in the song, and it's, there... um, yeah, sorry. Continue.
1: I've noticed with my book that just came out, uh, nobody's reading the same book, <laughs> you know, so right. nobody's, nobody's hearing the same song, um, I imagine. But is there a sense for you that maybe in those quiet, more vulnerable times, uh, the impact of loss in your life maybe comes up a little bit more? Definitely.
2: That's probably so that- one of the biggest changes that um, that occurred in me following my dad's death, is I became a lot more outgoing. Um, Maybe not in the immediate year or so, but in middle school, high school, and since then, um, just a lot more social, a lot more active into going out and spending time with people, having fun. And I think that's been fantastic. I think it maybe started as a way to not be alone with my thoughts. And I think mm. there's probably a part of that that's still there. Um, I just always love being around people. And in my childhood, I was very introverted. Let's but stop I there because, I,
1: because I don't want to uh, shorten this because the same thing happened to me through law. So I'm very interested in hearing about this, but it's time for yeah. a break. So we'll, we'll come back to that after the break. Uh, And listeners, you can go to my website at weatherandgrief.com or the Good Grief Host page to find a million ways to get in touch with me. And to find Mason Summit, go to masonsummit.com. Back after the break. Pacific
0: on voice America, health and wellness.
2: Tune in every Tuesday for C-diff spores and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C-diff healthcare associated infections and more. Nancy is a C-diff survivor, healthcare professional and founder and executive director of the C-diff foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C-diff infection prevention treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Your favorite Voice America talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Mason Summit, a musician who's written music about the death of his father, Christopher Alport, and also other um, tough subjects um, very beautifully. Uh, And so before the break, Mason, you were saying that you became more outgoing after the death of your father, which doesn't, of course, happen for everyone, but it uh, as a much, much, much older person person who'd had a lifetime of introversion, I also became a lot more outgo- outgoing after my wife died. So I resonate yeah. with that. Um, but it sounds as if for you, uh, for me, it was just I kind of had less fear because I had faced my worst fears um, in some way. And, uh, and I had to be outgoing to help her through her illness. So it was some... You know, I had my own angle on that. But for you, it sounds like it started out as a, ooh, I don't want to sit around and feel all this stuff. But then it turned into something more. Am I hearing you correctly? I think there's
2: still an element of that, if I'm being totally honest with myself, Um, which I don't think is a bad thing because I am probably more in touch with my emotions than a lot of people, Uh, definitely. But yeah. I, um, it was a huge total 180 shift for me. And I would say my mom had some of that as well.
1: Huh? So you just both came out of yourself in the need, in the need for connection and, uh, uh, I guess community and help, huh?
2: Yes. I think grief has, and I think it's this way for a lot of people, but for me, it's, um, it's a big motivator behind a lot of decisions that uh, you might not even be conscious of at the time, and look Absolutely. back and realize it later.
1: Absolutely, it's it's also just, uh, and of course, I think about this a lot. It's very hard to to we can't know what would have developed without the loss. Some things are very direct. There's no way I'd be doing this show. Uh, You know, if that hadn't happened, it just wouldn't have come about or write the book I wrote or any of that. But some things are less, you know, like becoming more social and able to interact with your peers and all of that. That could have potentially happened anyway. But you're you're you sound very clear that that losing your dad was a major aspect of that.
2: Yes, especially the time that it happened. It's true. It's hard to kind of know if it would have happened anyway um, or not. I don't think so. I think um, in a way, it's because of how big of a personality my dad was.
1: Um, so you kind of you kind of took another part of the play there. Mm-hmm. T- yeah, the quieter exactly. part. Exactly. Oh, uh, that's say I've
2: interesting. Taken on more of a leadership role in my friend groups over the years in terms of, like, deciding what the plan is for the night, you know, getting it going.
1: Well, also, though, I don't know if this is true for you, but I know that um, all my kids are the people in their age groups. They're 25 to 37 that other people come to because um, they can kind of handle it. Like, they're not going to, you know, if someone has a big loss or uh, a hard time, they are kind of safe space because they don't get all freaked out. And I wonder if you've had that experience.
2: Yeah, I try to. I think I'm just lucky in that most of my friends uh, are just very open people. For the most part, I've always had a group of friends that is expressive and vulnerable with each other
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and it goes both ways for sure. I'm probably the most open of all. Um but it, and, it goes both ways. Definitely.
1: Uh-huh. uh-huh. And so then uh possibly um you know that you, you there's been a little more it's not just luck. That's what I'm trying to say that possibly you resonate with people who are open in that way and they resonate with you potentially. I can imagine that. Definitely.
2: Definitely. Um, Yes, I've picked people, I think, to surround myself with that can handle it. You know, creative type for the most part. Um, I definitely know what type of people I need to be around.
1: You know, that kind of leads us to the last clip uh, we're going to share today, because it's not directly about your dad, but it is about... Uh, being open about um, being emotionally open, I feel. And um, being concerned for people's wellness, which I could imagine, you know, you know, what can happen, right? (laughs) You know, how, how vulnerable we are, we all are as humans. So maybe you can Tell us a little what led you to write that song called Biting My Nails, uh, because it seems as if it's about concern for a friend, perhaps.
2: Yeah. Um, I wish there was a more interesting story behind that one, but um, I actually wrote that song for Hamlet Night at my high school.
3: Uh-huh.
2: Um, we had to write a song we basically just had to do some sort of a creative project related to, um, Hamlet night uh, to Hamlet. And so of course I was going to write a song and I wrote one from the perspective of Horatio, um, watching Hamlet's increasing, uh, erratic behavior and madness kind of take him over, take over his personality. And, um, even though it's obviously a pretty old piece of work, um, that's a timeless thing that everyone can relate to. It's concern for a friend who seems to be lost. Um, And I think there's definitely a reason why I chose that character to write from the perspective from. Um, And then after that night, I just reworked it to be more general and um, more present day. But the feelings expressed in it are definitely related to someone's reckless behavior and the feeling of helplessness that you can't help or change them. Just kind of observe.
1: Mason, I wonder if you consider, you know, I, I know the story of how your dad died. Um, did you consider what he did reckless?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
1: So there's a connection Um, there.
2: That is probably where most of the anger related to my grief comes from, is just the fact that this kind of so classically, like American male feeling of invincibility played out on such an extreme level um, with kind of disregard to the consequences for anyone else. I mean, I love that, but this it's a major, major flaw. Um,
1: and just just so the yeah. listeners know, he died, you said he died in an avalanche, but he was skiing somewhere he shouldn't have been skiing. Correct. Yes, he was
2: on a day when there had already been avalanche reports on the mountain, just something I would never do. Um, just kind of for the sense of adventure and uh, and the adrenaline. And it's, uh, yeah, I think that's that's where a lot of my anger comes from, is that he, even though obviously he never intended to die or wanted to die, he's entirely responsible mm. for the accident that killed him.
1: That that choice really led. And so in a way, the, the song, although it doesn't refer to your father and and wasn't inspired directly by your father, it does speak to that experience, doesn't it? Let's, it's absolutely let's let,
2: informed by
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's let people hear that.
3: I called to you one night, said I'd seen a ghost. You saw it for yourself. They sent you down the coast. You're a spinning top behind those marble eyes. I know you'll never stop trying to get a right. You got me biting my. Screeching to a halt, crashing through the dark, perhaps it's no one's fault, all you left were tire marks, and me just, biting my nails, biting my nails.
1: I could imagine that song also, uh, you know, I've had that feeling about friends who are in trouble many times that I just want to kind of shake them or (laughs) jump up and down, Yeah. you know, (laughs) Hey, wait, (laughs) you're too precious to go in that direction. Uh, So I I relate to that feeling quite a bit. So um, yeah. I believe that you are still uh, in a process of education. You're still in college, is that right?
2: Yes, I'm in my junior year.
1: You're in your junior year. You must be an extremely busy person because (laughs) you've um, produced all this work so young. And I happen to know my daughter went to USC. You're at USC, aren't you? Uh, Yes that's where she graduated from. So I happen to know that place and I know that it's, you know, it's pretty demanding. Um, what, do you have any room to kind of imagine where you'd like to go next? What what kind of um, visions you have for your own music and your own work?
2: Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, my last album was mostly... Um, home recordings, um, which was really a new thing for me because I'm into big productions. Um, mm. I, my next thing is kind of a one-off. I have a single coming out in November on the day of the midterm elections to remind people to vote. And it's called Thoughts oh, and I Prayers. Oh, I want to hear
1: that. I want to so share it too. <laughs> you can definitely
2: guess what that one is about. Um, yeah, so Thoughts and Prayers is coming out on November 6th. And uh, after that, I do have a lot of new songs. I kind of took a hiatus from writing this year in order to uh, promote Summer Cold and to produce some other people. But I'm definitely getting back into it.
1: You know, I, given that um, I'm now some couple of decades plus into the impact of loss on my life, I was realizing as I was preparing for us to talk today uh, that... You know, I I know from my own experience that you're going to continue to have this loss of your dad woven through your life, and I'm I'm fascinated to see kind of where that goes for you because it may not always be so obvious, right? But I have this Definitely. feeling it's I have this feeling it's going to be in there as you go forward.
2: Totally, and I think that's something I always realize more in retrospect and where I see. When I analyze my actions later, in hindsight, um, seeing how they're related to grief, or even seeing how I acted out in the immediate aftermath of his death, like, not every time I did that, I was thinking about him, you know, every time right. I got sick. Um, but it's so obvious now.
1: Yeah, and it, I think it's, for
2: me, until pretty much maybe a couple of years ago, when I started examining it more directly and thoroughly, it's it's mostly been kind of an uh, unconscious thing that has definitely affected me and guided me in directions, but not usually in a conscious way.
1: And then at the same time, though, we've spent an hour talking about it, and you have lots of thoughts and feelings and clarity about it Uh that I imagine you'll be able to keep accessing as you as you go forward. Maybe, you know, I can see for myself, for instance, um, different things that happen to lead me here where I am now, where right. the connection is obvious. Uh, I imagine that will keep happening for you. And I really want to thank you for being here today. It's uh, It's been really a pleasure to talk with you.
2: Likewise. Thank you so much.
1: This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week.